0: podcast I'm Kat I'm Kayla it's 2022 just like that bang well bang that's an appropriate term that's what I use to yeah to describe what's happening right now it's
1: been a journey
0: (laughs) yeah it's it's a new year for us so the context of today's podcast is we want to share a bit with you yeah of our own story and kind of bits like that so what's the new year for you Kayla
1: look for me the new year is just like any other day really I don't I've never been a big fan Not that I don't like it either. It's just it's just another day for me. I don't really see the big deal. Resolutions annoy me. I don't like it. I like to think of it as reflective part Mm -hmm. of the year and something to take stock of of where you are, where you've been and where you hope to go. So it's it's not resolutions. I more think of plans and goals and kind of person centered, like what Mm -hmm. will make me happy this year rather than okay, I need to do all of the things all of the time and I'm going to be a machine.
0: I see a lot of people online are getting really peeved off with, oh, new year, new me, new body kind of crap. It's gone. The day
1: for that's gone and I'm so glad it is because it does nothing but, like Karen Sugru, actually, if you don't follow her on Twitter, you should. She's wonderful. She wrote a lovely article in A Lust for Life this week. We shared it on our Twitter. And it was just saying, basically, just be gentle with yourself. Just Mm. don't worry about anything. Like, just... Stop with the constant pressure. Um, There's no need for it. You know, you're okay. And if you've come this far this year,
0: that's a lot. That's it. If you're still standing and like, you know, some of us are crawling, but once we're here.
1: That's it. Like everybody's doing their best. I think Christmas was particularly hard. I know for me, I felt a lot of fear. I was, obviously I went home and home to me is to my grandmother's house. And I did have this thing where I felt, obviously I was doing antigen tests, all that, I made sure I was negative before I went near the place, but you still do have this piece of you that thinks you're some infectious disease and you're going to hurt everybody that you love. So it was Mm. tough, I'm exhausted from it like.
0: That's it, like I, I literally tweeted last night about the level of trauma we're experiencing like and you mentioned to me we we're having a good chat last night as we do all day every day um about people are, are saying on twitter and stuff and it was actually you said it to me you said katrina can you remember what you were doing last new year's i can't remember what i did last summer i like due to trauma i think we're trying to survive right now we're going one foot in front of the other when we look back and that's a trauma response you cannot remember parts of it
1: yeah it's i would say i'm a person with a really good memory I remember things and people don't often believe me, but I do. I remember things from very early on in my childhood. I'm very sensory, as I've said before, so I remember lots of things. Yeah. I cannot remember where I was last year for news. I'm sure I was at home. I definitely wasn't out because I don't do that, but I can't place myself. And even for a lot of the start of the year last year, I can't fix where I was. I can't grasp that and what I was doing. So it's it is funny as in strange. But it is definitely a protective, mm-hmm. my mind is protecting itself just one foot in front of the other, let's yeah, try surely. and get through this.
0: And in a, in, in a period of time, once this COVID eases off or whatever happens with it, when things go to this, I won't say new normal, it's not going to be any shade of a normal, No, this new different whatever it is, I think we are going to be surprised with the amount of people that have been traumatised by this, like it's global, it's, it's right across the board, you know? Yeah.
1: Um Yeah. It's massive, it worries me to think about that, to think too far forward or to think too far back um but look that being said i'm sure it was the same for people up and down the country people all across the world but whatever that looked like for you i know lots of people who have covid at the moment who are isolating who are close contacts i hope they're okay yeah god but look i i hope christmas was as nice an experience as it could be and I hope New Year's was just the same. And do you know what? People are saying, oh, I wish love and health and happiness. And I do wish all those things for everybody that I know and love. More than anything else, I wish you a load of money. I wish you all come into a load of money.
0: a lot of big. You know, let's in. just be real. <laughs> like, that's yeah, what yeah. I
1: wish for everyone. I hope everybody I know gets into loads of money this year. And do something Lovely really obnoxious us. with it.
0: But yeah, our own kind of story is what we're tipping into today. Yeah. As I mentioned at the start. And our own story... Involves suicide intervention suicide prevention and a little bit about the organisation myself and Kayla were together a while before I started developing depression this is quite a few years ago now like this was 10 or 12 years ago maybe but like I was I suffered depression for a long time and I was in, in an incredibly stressful job as well at the time and it got an awful lot worse very quickly I my anxiety got to the point where it was unbearable and it was just really really difficult to be me at that time I couldn't escape it was like I had these enemies and they were within I suppose the realm of my own mind and I couldn't escape them so I was going through a remarkably difficult time and Kayla knew I was seeing a counselor and everything was you know to her knowledge going well and what she says and what you say Kayla is you noticed a change started to develop in me yeah do you want to talk about that rather than me putting words in your mouth?
1: Yeah, I suppose I, I always feel like when I talk about it, it's it's me telling you how you felt or how you were, you know, so I I don't really like telling that bit either. But I suppose just from my perspective and my perspective alone, I did notice that you had become more. The only word I have for it really is numb. Mm. I think and I I don't know if you felt that way, but it definitely seemed that way. From my perspective, it was you were very flat all of a sudden. So for anybody who does have depression or has battled depression before, it can be quite animated for some people, it can be crying, it can be anger, it can be just sadness, it can be all these different things. And I suppose I had seen you kind of fight through all those different things. But I do remember a point where things went flat. Just, that's the only word I have for it, flat.
0: It's interesting you say numb, like, because that's literally how I felt. Mm. Um, Like, I had, I had all this anger built up, yet I could feel nothing. Mm. And I remember, like, the other interesting thing you said there is, you know, I hate saying it because, you know, it was you that was going through it. I'll be honest, like, we sat down afterwards, didn't we? And we chatted with chooks. I couldn't remember parts of it. And that's what I'm saying about this trauma response. You block out parts that were overwhelmingly emotional. Mm. So... What happened was basically you kind of, you took the opportunity then, didn't you, to kind of question me on it?
1: Yeah, I think it it was going for a while. And like you said, I knew you were going to counselling. From my perspective, I thought everything was okay until this flatness. And I suppose I just wanted to bring it because I suppose in that time, I wasn't sure for a while. Was it something I was doing? Yeah. Was I making you unhappy in a way? And is that why you were kind of being flat? But then I was nearly sure that wasn't it because I think you're quite an open person. You would have brought it to my attention. You would have said, Mm -hmm. hey, look, can you stop, you know, doing whatever it is that I was doing to annoy you? So that didn't come. So I thought, look, I'll just open the conversation.
0: Yeah. And it's important to say that, like, because when we met first, like, I was this bubbly, outgoing person, wasn't I? Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, very... I morphed into barely being able to leave the house. wasn't over... The, sorry, it wasn't all of a sudden. It was over a period of time. But it mm. feels like it was all of a sudden. Yeah, too. I think
1: it was slow. And it was very, very slow day by day. Small changes. But in the end, they all compounded. Yeah. And overnight, it seemed like it all compounded together to make it seem really sudden. But in actual fact, it was happening slowly.
0: So, like, in my head, the self-esteem, I suppose, was zero. Mm. Um, it was absolutely zero. I thought... When I went outside the, the door, people were staring at me. I thought, you know, and people would look at you, but it's probably just say, oh, there's Katrina. But I thought in my head, it felt like I had a giant nose in my forehead. Like, I mm-hmm. genu- genuine felt that way. The anxiety part of them, like, I wasn't able to go certain shops, because of phobia, you know, I couldn't go to the Crescent. I couldn't meet, I was turning down friends, you know. They were saying, oh, come on, we'll go for a cup of tea or whatever I was in. I can't. And they kind of felt, I guess, that I was probably turn them down because I had other friends or something because I didn't feel comfortable explaining that because I didn't think anyone would understand Mm. and I had also these obsessive kind of thoughts and to me like OCD Now I haven't been diagnosed with OCD but we both know I have it It, you know you think of OCD and you think oh checking taps the classic ones now I have that but also a part of that is ruminating on thoughts Mm. so thoughts that are against my own morals so for example I could be driving the car and I would convince myself that I'm after swerving knocking someone down and whereas none of that has just happened yeah but it was all coming from extreme anxiety and you can imagine i got to the point where i couldn't go outside the door and some of the stuff i wasn't comfortable telling you even as close as we were and i told you most things but i felt so like god oh, she's not gonna you know she's not gonna love me anymore she's not gonna care about me anymore if she hears that i'm thinking oh my god every time i go outside the door i'm gonna knock someone down like yeah I, I felt then i was a bad person because i was having those thoughts mm and then like I got to the point where like I wasn't sleeping, I wasn't eating right and I remember we were sitting in the kitchen one day with friends and i I always remember there was a conversation happening you and there was four or five other friends around the table and it was as if I could see myself outside a glass house looking in at you having a great time in a conversation and mm-hmm. I was trying to say lads I'm here I'm here and like I, you couldn't see that obviously I was right beside you and to you it just looked like I was normal I'd say but I just felt like I was removed I was disassociating maybe and it was after that then I it really went downhill to where I can't do this anymore and -hmm. it wasn't that I wanted to die it was like I felt I'd no other option like I felt I can't go near a hospital because I have agoraphobia so if I tell someone they're going to hospitalize me what am I going to do if I tell Kayla she's going to tell someone I'm going to be hospitalized so I decided the best thing for everyone was if I didn't tell anyone and just kill myself yeah and that's not putting it mildly
1: yeah well look I I don't believe in kind of dressing situations up if that's what it was that's what it was you know
0: no one knew like my family didn't know my counsellors didn't know so that night then you said to me what's going on like something's different I Mm. know something's going on and in all our trainings and I'm sure I've probably said it here already Kayla's like a dog with a bone (laughs) especially with me if she thinks something's up what's up what's up um and I said okay that's fine it's grand don't worry about it and I remember I picked up the kettle and I slammed it down and I said it's, it's not going to matter anymore anyway. Yeah. That was something I said subconsciously but it's something that you picked up on and actually saved my life. Mm. It was,
1: and we often talk about this in training because I suppose it is the starting point and it is a story that can contextualize suicide and how it can manifest yeah. and how it can show up and it can just, it can be a situation for you. It didn't just happen overnight but for me, This just happened and it felt Mm. like it came from left field. I was completely blindsided, but it can just happen that way. Looking back now and we've we've talked about it ourselves personally and we talk about it in trainings and it's funny when I hear you tell this part, usually in trainings, but especially, you know, if you're on something, if like when we set up the organization, there was a bit of media attention around it and you would tell your story there and I listen to podcasts Mm. that you're on when you tell us. I get very very choked up about it. I still yeah. Mm. I can't and nobody can tell, you know, especially in trainings nobody can tell. I'm just like, "Oh." And I kind of go over to the side and I'm like, "Okay, I take tell. a deep breath." Yeah, you can mm-hmm. tell, but you know me, you know. So it is funny. It's it's years later and I still look back at that night, especially when I hear you talk about it.
0: Mm. And I
1: still get caught up
0: because I suppose like I'm going to go on to that in a while, but everyone thinks of the person that was suicidal. How many think of the impact it's had on the person that came upon them? That can be quite like for you, and I'm not saying, oh, like it's important people tell people. But what mm. I'm saying is both need to get a bit of help after it, I think. And to just say, like, you really needed, you were alone that night, like.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. I think my initial reaction when we talk about this is, especially in trainings and stuff, when you say, we needed to look at how it affected Kayla. My initial reaction and always my response is, but it's not about me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and it goes to straight away. You were the one suffering with all this stuff. Let's not talk about me. But I suppose with growth and with time and with maturity, I have come to realize that, yeah, I should have probably done something at the time to look after it because it was a fright. And I think for anybody, it's OK to accept that, yes, while the other person was going through this hugely distressing ordeal, it's okay to admit that you felt distressed Mm. by it as well, just in a different way. Yeah, I I agree with that now.
0: And I suppose at the time, Kayla, you weren't meant to know that. But what I find now looking back is the professionals that we linked in with didn't even suggest, okay, and how are you, Kayla? So like,
1: yeah, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's their fault. I don't think it it is either, but it's just
0: I suppose an observation I make.
1: Yeah, I think I didn't expect the emotions that I had. I expected to feel obviously, obviously you'd expect to get a fright, not know what to do with this, and in the initial time it was panic and it was everything that goes along with that. In the aftermath, I didn't expect the thoughts Mm. that I was having. And they were tough.
0: Like, even after that, like, I mean, I suppose for, for everyone else, like, what happened then was um, that particular night, you did get it out to me. You kind of said, look, are you thinking about killing yourself? You said it straight out, like, I'll never forget the shock. And the important part there is a lot of people hesitate in asking that question. Don't. Don't hesitate. Ask. What I felt when Kayla said it to me was, A, she knows my plan is ruined. I'll just be honest. That's exactly what went through my head. Mm. But the other thing, part of me my heart that didn't want to die anyway but felt they no option went thank god someone has noticed yeah and I just felt validated you'd seen it and you said look I don't know what we're going to do but I'm not like you know I'm here with you for the night we're going to sort it out and I remember you you, you kind of said then after a while to me you said why didn't you tell me like because I told you everything like I tell you if I you know I tell you about my bone movements <laughs> to be fair so you were like why why wouldn't you tell me and I remember being almost embarrassed saying look I was worried that like I'd be shoved into an ambulance and sent off to get help or that you'd stop me as well as another very real thing isn't mm-hmm. it I didn't want to be stopped because I couldn't bear this pain anymore like and I remember you you always you said to me then and we, it's the very backbone of the organization the charity we set up you said well I can tell you now that's not going to happen if an ambulance comes here and tries to take you they're going to be taking two of us screaming because you're <sighs> not going anywhere and that is the very ethos That should be behind suicide intervention. It shouldn't be, this is what you're going to do, bam, bam, bam. It should be, whatever happens, we're in it together.
1: Yeah, well, I suppose looking at it now, and the hindsight, is a great thing. But I suppose I realized that, okay, you hadn't told me. That means you certainly hadn't told anybody else. No. And that means you had been completely alone. Like, completely alone in knowing something. And that's why... If you can reassure someone that if you do get it out of somebody that they are feeling suicidal, if you can make them feel not alone in some way or another, so whatever happens, look, it's the two of us, we'll take it on we'll we'll work on it. I think if you can make someone feel not alone, like I had serious guilt that you felt that way
0: you had yeah for a long time,
1: and that's mm. something that people don't it's it's not the the beautiful, glorious story of somebody who was suicidal and they came back and everything is great. And we try not to paint that picture because there are other elements to it that need attention. Very fixable. Mm. But there are other parts that I, I did feel a lot of guilt.
0: Yeah, it is. It's, it's a lot like, and I remember the following day, you rang my counsellor by my back. But look, we got over that. We did row for quite a while after, but she did the right thing. Um, and that's another thing I want to touch on. A lot of the time when people tell, confide in someone mm. that they're thinking about dying by suicide, they'll say, but don't tell anyone. Yeah. You can't make that promise. No. A person's life takes paramount. And Mm. what you did was right. You lifted the phone to my counsellor. You said, this is what's after happening. She said to you, Decker, straight to the GP. She needs to verbalise that she's having thoughts of harming herself.
1: Yeah, and I suppose for anybody else that has come across somebody suicidal, has discovered somebody that they love is suicidal, Katrina saying it was the right thing I did, but also it didn't feel right. At the time it didn't feel right. I felt like I was betraying you. But I suppose it's important to know that it was the right thing and it will be the right thing for you, too. If you discover that somebody you love is suicidal, it is really important that with the person you involve other people that they're comfortable with, Uh, whether that be a GP, whether that be a priest, whether that's whoever, whoever the person is comfortable telling, support them in doing that. Absolutely. And it will feel wrong. It, It felt wrong for me, but it was the right thing just because it feels wrong doesn't make it wrong. There I can't was.
0: imagine that decision you to make like because you know it's one thing if it's a stranger you go going behind their backs and thing if it's a friend going behind their back but if it's someone that you're living with and that partners you're kind of going oh my god like, yeah.
1: I suppose well I felt all these things like I had just found out something that I had no idea about that you hadn't told me and for very valid reasons you hadn't mm-hmm. told me so I was afraid now that there was more that I didn't know
0: yeah exactly
1: and I knew I couldn't do it by myself because I knew that I didn't know the full story and there might be more to this. And I'm not trained in this. I have no experience with this. And I've often said, you know, I am a fixer by nature. I like to fix things. I'm logical and strategic in my thinking. And, you know, all through my teenagers, if something was up, people could come to me. I'm Kayla. People, I'm the one that people can talk to with this hand on heart, I had no idea what to say, mm. how to say it, what to do. I had no plan. This I had no
0: pre any training you ever got like this is Yeah, years ago.
1: so this was years and years ago. And it just completely threw me because I didn't have you know how you always think, you know, if if one of my friends came and told me they were pregnant, this is what I would do. An A B C D. I had never thought about this before. Mm, never. So I was blindsided and I had just been told something that I didn't see it coming so I didn't know how much more there was it was mm. w- wasn't that I didn't trust you or trust what you were saying it was just
0: in a way though I think it could be you know you would maybe. worry that maybe yeah I think it's okay to admit that like
1: yeah I suppose it just it doesn't feel right to say I I didn't trust you it doesn't feel right to say that because I did I was just I don't know the word for it
0: I suppose you worry the impact that level of depression has on a person and that's another influence outside of trust isn't
1: it yeah I think I was just in a bit of shock Mm. and I worried was I doing the right thing and above all else I knew that I couldn't do it by myself because I was in shock I was too close to it I wasn't thinking right yeah you know somebody so that's what I would say is even though it might feel like a betrayal you need to get somebody else involved somebody that knows what they're doing
0: someone that knows yeah like we didn't psychiatric nurse said counsellor bring her straight to GP and she was room. great yeah
1: you know she she was wonderful she she didn't I mean there was no big long discussion that we had behind your back or anything it was just hi Kayla you wanted to talk to me yes I did this is the situation okay A B C D
0: you know I can remember you clear as day on the phone on the stairs coming down to her really it stuck in my head because it was a tro- like that to me was oh my god I'm going to be hospitalised Mm that was a traumatic in- incident in itself and it was like we went to the GP and you know I had to verbalize it and it's the hardest thing we've ever done I I choked on the words um, getting them out and thankfully we'll fast forward it a little bit because I'm conscious we could take all day talking about <laughs> this but uh, my worry was hospitalized being hospitalized we told the doctor that he said okay we're going to get a link to him a day hospital which ensued panic because it's the word hospital Um, but look what happened was it was a day hospital he explained it very very well and said look And I suppose what's important there is he took all my needs into consideration. Okay, Katrina has this fear of hospitals. We need to look at something else. And all while he was talking to me, you were standing over my right shoulder. Behind it. And I knew you were there with me, supporting me. And that stuff stays with you. And from then on, I started attending the day hospital four days a week. I couldn't initially go in. They had to come out to me in the car. Gradually went in. They started actually, which was brilliant, linking you in.
1: Yes. To support
0: me. But no one actually asked how you were, I suppose, when I think back. But the moral of the story is it was after all this and we came through it that yeah. I came out of my own bubble and went oh my god and this is why I love the fact we're doing this together today usually it's one of us being interviewed mm. it's really good it's the two of us it's important to say Kayla what in the name like what was it like for you yeah it was I, I
1: don't know how to describe it like I've already kind of described what it was and I suppose after that all these other thoughts and feelings started coming in it's funny it's odd it's all these different questions started coming up for me Mm. I suppose when I saw that you were okay and these things didn't happen until I saw sort of the recovery point for you and that you were getting better and more open and back to kind of you never went back to who you were back then which I don't think is a a bad thing no no you became a new you're just so different now do you know it's it's wonderful like you've a lot more confidence you have a lot more self-esteem you are a different person Um, I
0: remember then like and I know it's pure cheesy but I'm gonna share it with everyone you used to make me recite 10 good things about myself every night before going to sleep. Yeah. And that, like, that was actually suggested by the counsellor. And gradually my confidence started to build. Mm. And through all this, I was facing issues with, like with work and I'd go through constructive dismissals and all this kind of stuff. But long to short of it was, I remember being in that hearing, so to speak. And I remember the, the person at the opposite side of the table that I was there kind of, I suppose, against reverses, saying... Looking at me going, I don't even know who this is. I They were expecting someone to just rattle coming into the room. Yeah. And I remember going in there like I had a whole new armor. It was just as much as I hit rock bottom, I built myself back up stronger. But that was down to you, mostly, um, and the guidance of the, the professionals. And also me, I suppose. And, yeah. And to stick with it and to keep going.
1: That's what I was just going to say. Like I think it's a lot easier to support someone than it is the work that you took on like mm. that was
0: it was tough there's no point saying oh yeah it was yeah, to day." it wasn't
1: like I think people think that once you kind of let professionals know and everything is rosy in the garden it's not it takes time and it takes hard work anybody who struggles with mental health disorders or illnesses will tell you it is not as simple as I was unwell, I went to the doctor, now I'm great again. They work so hard it's every tremendous. single day.
0: Yeah, it is tiring. And after that, uh, I think it was after that, wasn't it? It was before my self-harm started. Mm. And for me, like, I suppose I was worried when you found out about that because I thought you're think I'm trying to kill myself again. But I wasn't. It was me. I couldn't express. I was numbed. Like, to be honest, I was on a lot of medication. I still am. Mm. I'm now on the right ones. But at the time, I was on a lot, which numbed everything. And I had all this pain that I couldn't get rid of yeah and it was a form of an unhealthy way of expressing that and I look back now and it was so dangerous and it was so everything but look it helped me cope at the time I'm here to tell the tale but when I look back on all that right what I'm getting at is it wasn't just that night that I think of you and what you went through it was you lived on eggshells for the bones of a year after that like if I made certain if I said a certain phrase we came up with that term I don't know say chocolate if we were in a room we'd go out, I'd squeeze your arms instead of going to hurt myself. Mm. And that was something we came up with. We came up with pacts. We came up with, okay, I was big into poetry at the time, writing stuff. I'd go to a local shore, I'd be screaming, crying. In the middle of it. Then all these words of wisdom would come out. I'd write them down. But you were at home going, oh my God, is she okay? She's below near water. What am I going to do? But we had these kind of systems. But it was a lot for you worrying, like. Yeah, it
1: was. But there is this line, say, as a person's, partner or whatever relationship you have with a person I think is pretty much the same you are entitled to your privacy you are entitled to me trusting you you are entitled to all these things if you want to go to the shore and write poetry and that was something that was so hard for me because I was at home I was worrying but the other side of it was you are perfectly entitled to your privacy away from the house away from whatever it was but yeah it was difficult but
0: did you ever follow me down?
1: No. To um, be honest. <laughs> no, genuinely I didn't. Because I, I often think
0: of the time when, you know, obviously my anxiety was a huge part mm. of everything. And I remember I was building myself up now weeks of like all sorts of therapy to try and gradually go into buildings. And we got to the stage where I was doing really well. And I remember my therapist said, right, do you think you're okay to try the Crescent? And I went, you haven't laughed Oh, now. I know what you're
1: going to say. We
0: had to drive past it three, four times. First to study all the doors, see where they were we're like okay so she suggested the first day I go inside the, the front door turn around in the porch come back out we did that you were standing outside the door and I remember mm. we gradually went in further I did sorry I won't say we she goes could you go in as far as the first shop door and I did that and I remember I got such confidence I said Kayla I'm going to go into this shop the next <laughs> day and you said okay I'll wait here and I went in and I went into the shop and I was rattling out, but I was feeling good about myself I was like, oh, my God, I'm in here all on my own. And then I look around and there you were, outside the window, (laughs) staring in as much as to say, oh, my God, thank God she's alive. She hasn't, you know, you were so funny. Like, it was like you had this big brother surveillance watching (laughs) in case anything would happen.
1: Yeah, it wasn't. Do you know what it was? It was. And this is just genuinely now. It was a protective thing. It was I knew you could do it. I had no doubt in my mind that you could do it. It was just I didn't know how you would react once you realised you had done it <laughs> yeah, and yeah. would you then panic Free and cold, it's like yeah. it's fine don't worry I'm here we can walk back out so yeah no I never followed you to the show or anything like that I wouldn't do that I wanted to yeah, to be honest I really did but no I, I thought like you know if if Katrina wants privacy that's she's allowed to have privacy I did follow you to shops and stuff just in case something happened I would wait outside I, I never to, you know to
0: put it in context I used to get panic attacks everywhere I went so yeah, I think I was going to faint and then I just panic and run out. So yeah. That's
1: and I just wanted you to see a friendly face if that did happen. I do remember, though, I'll never forget when it, we went back to college years later when we did all this training and all the suicide intervention training. I wanted to know more. I wanted to go back. This was my call. I want to do social science. This is where I am mm. made for. And you too. So we went back and it was a struggle for you. It was really, really difficult. You were doing a documentary with Vogue Williams at the time mm. on anxiety and you were telling them all about how you had to kind of scope the joint out. and.
0: That's going for like two, three weeks, like going in, walking, the, trying to walk the corridors. Yeah, it was a
1: big deal. Yeah. It was a really, really big deal and it was difficult for you, college. And I always felt really proud that you were taking it on and stuff. And you know, I was like, yeah, what's your goal? But I do remember in third year, I think it was third year, Myself and Katrina would always sit in the same seat at the back of the classroom every day. It was just our seats. Troublemakers. Yeah, Yeah. you know. And I'll never forget, we were in a lecture and everything was really quiet and it was all the learning was happening. It was great. And you said to me, I'm just going to go to the toilet. I'll be back in a minute. I got up and left. And then I nearly had a panic attack. (laughs) I was like, she's going to the toilet. Okay, she's going to the toilet by herself in a this is fine, Without this me. is fine, Kayla, I could no longer concentrate on what was happening in the lecture because I was just like, oh, my God, like, how was she so blase about that? That's a really big deal. And then I was like, maybe she doesn't want me to make a big deal about it. I'm just going to be quiet about it. And then I started thinking, have I ever gone to the bathroom by myself in LIT? I don't think I have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so I was just so proud and it was such a for you, it seemed like it was nothing. It was just like you were going to the bathroom. For me, that was a monumental day. That was like, it's one of my favourite days now. I think it was the best day of my academic.
0: It was I, just so cool. Awesome. Yeah, that does stick in my head now. I just felt so good that day. I was buzzing. I was like, okay. It was just the moment was right. And I picked it. Like, right, this is my moment. And if you could play that really motivational music <laughs> where you storm out with, you know, the doors of the lecture theatre. It was incredible. Like, and I remember one day I, didn't, I wanted to surprise you with something when I came home and I knew to be even more mean more to you if you knew it came from somewhere that was difficult so I was like I want to go into the Crescent I'll never forget how long it took me to get in (laughs) but I got in I think I bought myself a coffee I remember sending you a picture of the coffee and you were like oh my god are you in the Crescent you started panicking
1: (laughs) it wasn't panicking
0: it was I was so proud of you but
1: I also wanted to know where you were in case something happened so I could be there if you needed me that was all
0: exactly yeah it was all it was all that like but I remember I bought one thing then it came away and you know, it comes and goes. i days where it's the same with hospitals. I've an off thing about them, as I've already said about 50 times. But, mm. you know, some days now I go into clinics with relatives if I have to and I'm OK. Uh, but then again, I know you are at the end of the phone.
1: Yeah, well, I was just going to say, I remember when I was in hospital, that was particularly difficult for you, I think, the because, toe. well, I've had a few different surgeries since over the time that we've been together. I've been in a hospital a couple yeah. of times at surgeries. And as you said, like when you go with relatives, you know that if you call me, I'll come that time those times if you called me I was out cold on an operating table and you were there I, it was incredible like when I woke up from surgery you were there in the hospital by yourself with nobody else I
0: remember I was um literally you went down to the theatre and all these people were looking at me because I kept pacing the corridor outside the corridor for the theatre and they were looking going who's your one they were like <sighs> that's your one's friend you know I remember they come up every so and you okay, love? Do you, do you want to go out? I was like, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. I'll be saying, you're brand now, you're not going to faint, you're not going to faint. And I pace up and down, she's back now soon, four hours later, I'm still going up the same <laughs> patch of corridor. I could go down and say, sorry, is Michaela coming up soon? Oh, she be Oh, out don't soon call now. me that name, horrible. like, Michaela, you're in trouble. <laughs> but they were like, they were so nice to me afterwards. I yeah. was just like, I couldn't leave. Yeah. I was going up and down, up, and down the same patch. Yeah. It
1: was incredible, like, to, to think that one of the biggest things you struggle with most and you know you were there
0: Mm. Um, it's amazing like it is and it's been quite a journey and the journey when we looked at it when we reflected we kind of went we need to know more about this topic in suicide mm. we need to know more about how to help people
1: yeah I think after that we went back to college and we learned lots of great things from lots of great lecturers and It's still when you look back on it, there's still pieces that I haven't. Like I've been studying suicide now for a few years, exclusively suicide. We've been working in suicide Mm. prevention and intervention now for six years. And of all the things and all the courses and all the learnings, there still seems to be a little bit of a blind spot in I can't recognize certain parts of what I felt in anybody else. Mm. So nobody really talks about you were asking me this a while ago, and I suppose and I think I have the answer now is that I felt like I had failed. Yeah. In in lots of different areas, but hugely failed in making you feel good enough, smart enough, intelligent enough, pretty enough, you know, all these things. And I think that's something that a lot of people will struggle with, and that's mm. just from a partner's perspective. A parental perspective will be completely different. But there are pieces of that. That people don't talk about, and it it is okay to talk about them. You know, you've often asked me, no, but say it, Kayla, say what you felt. And, Mm. you know, we've had long conversations about it. And it was only when you forced me to say those things that I felt it was okay to say them. Yeah. Before that, I thought it was I can't say that. That's a very selfish thing to say. It's not about you. It was about Katrina and you, you can't feel all these things and i suppose my message is there's enough emotional space for two people yeah you can share it and you can talk about it obviously after some recovery yeah lots of hard feelings
0: lots of hard feelings and when we work on interventions with the the charity we have like we look at both not just the person distressed, but the person that's also mm. found them or has come upon them or that's worried about asking them and It's being able to say, I know what it's like. It's like the Brene Brown thing going into the...
1: Yeah, it's empathy, empathy. isn't it?
0: Yeah, Mm. absolutely. And you can see people go, oh my God, you get it. Yeah. It makes such a difference.
1: It's important to let people know that you get it. And it's important. Like, I wouldn't have understood all of these feelings that I have and I had, had you not asked me. Mm. I would have stuffed those down, deep, deep, deep down and not looked at them again. Because it was hard and it's still hard today. Yeah. Like I say, to read back on interviews or to hear you on podcast, it's still hard. But I know why it's hard now. I understand why it's hard. I understand the feelings that I had and the feelings that you had and how they kind of were at loggerheads against each other. So, yeah, there's there's a lot to it. People think when you find somebody is in distress, you get them help and that's it. Everything is great. There's a lot in the aftermath of it. Like I know for your family we worked together to tell your family
0: that was terrifying
1: yeah that was such a hard thing for you because you had all these feelings
0: well I felt then they'd feel I left them or that they'd let me down you know and you know if it's your child you think I could have done better how did it happen to them it wasn't anything about anything anyone else had done it was these thoughts more than anything Mm. that I couldn't escape and I felt I was a burden on everyone around me genuinely a burden that you know without me you'd have all would have been a lot better off and that's where I was at mentally you know so it wasn't about anyone letting me down
1: yeah no and look you you were always very open in your recovery especially like you you took the time to explain all those things Mm. to each of us individually everybody in your life which was great I think it's like the silent shrapnel Mm. the people around the person it's very silent and if that is you It is okay because I know I struggled with having those feelings, but I'm telling you it's okay to feel hurt, to feel all the things uh, like a failure, like you didn't do enough. I suppose I was hurt that you felt you couldn't tell me something Mm. that hurt me. I was like, I thought, God, now, of course, I completely understand because you've explained it to me and what we know is that people who do feel suicidal do feel like a burden. And they feel as though telling you something like this will completely rip you to pieces, which is not always true. Mm. But if you are the silent family member that has been really hurt by something and you feel like you're not allowed to say it,
0: Mm.
1: I see those feelings, you know, they're completely valid.
0: Absolutely. And I think if you're the person that's thinking right now, my only option is to, to end my own life. What I'd say is I thought that. I thought my life was over. What I did identify as a you know, a manager at the time, all that was ended and I wasn't an athlete anymore and I just felt like, crap, Katrina was nothing anymore. The reality is because you noticed, Kayla, and because I did look for help, well, not look for help, I kind of was pushed that way, I've only now discovered my true purpose in life. Mm. I remember standing on the shore in, in Ballestine actually roaring, like, why? What is this for? What am I supposed to be doing here? I had so many questions about my own mortality. Why am I here? Mm. I felt like I needed to make a difference and I didn't know how or why. And I look now, I would never be doing any of this. I would never be delivering training. I would never be, I would never have set up a charity with you, saving lives. Depression lies. Depression puts a blindfold on you. It makes you think. It does lie. It says you're a burden. And mm. that's a lie. I can tell you that now from the horse's mouth. Anxiety is just as dangerous as depression when it comes to mental health in my opinion he was actually a student doctor that copped my anxiety was more of a a struggle for me than my depression Mm -hmm. i was all the time being treated for my depression and i was getting worse i even started self-harming and she said katrina it's clear to me from what you're saying because she had fresh eyes coming in yeah your anxiety is what's ruining your life is that fair to say i said that's it finally yeah, You know, finally. And since then, I'm on the same medication.
1: All right, yeah, um, I remember that day. I remember the relief. I remember oh the shoulders God. just dropped when you came out, um, when I picked you up that and day. you it's like, a
0: shame. Like, is there a medication? No. You know, I when I went in first, I didn't want to be on meds. I I mean, I fought it now. Toot and nail for about six months a year. And then the self-harm got worse. And I said, I have to do something. I have to be willing to be open to this. Yeah,
1: I mean, p- there is lots of people that debate medication and lots of people that say, oh, you know it's just going to numb you and don't take meds and whatever, you can do it. I saw a transformation. I'm not saying everybody who has mental health disorders or illnesses, you have to take meds to get good. I think it's it's a mixture. I mm. think there's lots of things that can work in tandem. Um, but for people who need medication, the day for shame and people on meds is gone. It's I have seen medication save lives.
0: Oh, absolutely. And like what it did for me, as I said to them, I don't want something that's going to numb me. I, I'm so scared of being a zombie because you see that, you know, in waiting rooms and oh, it just scares the life out of me. Mm. I just wanted something that would slow down my thoughts. And that's what it did. It slowed them down. So I had room to help myself. Yeah. And that's what the meds did for me. They just yeah. allowed me to help myself. Which you did. Please reach out or let someone know if if you are feeling that low.
1: And if you think somebody, if if you're the other person and you think somebody in your life you're having, you're noticing stuff that just is off and you're really worried and you don't know whether you should ask them or not, ask. Always ask the question. A yes or a no is better than you going to bed not knowing and not asking. If the answer is yes, you know what to do. If the answer is no, you also know what to do. Fair enough. Maybe they're not suicidal, but they might just need a little bit of extra support and that's okay too. So always ask the question, never be afraid. And just on that note as well, if you do ask the question and somebody says yes and you find yourself at a complete loss and you don't know what to do, that's what our charity is for. You don't have to be in Limerick. We physically respond to people in suicidal distress in Limerick 365 nights a year. But we also offer support to family, friends and people suicidal over the phone all across Ireland. So if you do ask someone if they're feeling suicidal and the answer is yes and you don't know what to do, you can call 085-1777-631 between 5pm and 6am and one of our volunteers can help you in the situation they can offer advice they can offer support they can be a sounding board but they'll know what to do and they'll be able to guide you and help you through the situation as well
0: yeah I think that's it really isn't
1: it yeah a hard episode I actually feel strangely lighter I after do it too, it. it's kind of weird it is weird we've never had obviously we've talked about it a lot over the years but we've never had an actual powwow kind of podcasty kind of format a conversation mm. about it we just want to thank everyone again for all the
0: support more than anything else